$10 on this one-year Bible tour. Today is November 12th, and this is the One-Year Bible Tour Guide podcast, where we are making our way through all 66 books of the Bible, taking time to read each portion and give some moments for reflection to discuss the landmarks and truths that we encounter. My name is David McAdam, and it is a joy to have another day with you. Today is day number 316 on our journey. May 316 remind us of 2 Timothy 316. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And let's not forget the gospel nugget of John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We are in the book of Ezekiel today, and we start our reading in chapter 24, when God is making known to Ezekiel, who is living in Babylon, what is happening in that very moment in Jerusalem, 900 miles away. This is before radio or satellite transmission. There was no way that Ezekiel could know this information apart from the supernatural revelation coming from God. We will also learn of Ezekiel's wife's death in Babylon on that very same day and the unique way that Ezekiel is to process it. We then will move on to the second section of Ezekiel, the prophecies regarding the nations, and then move on to the New Testament book of Hebrews, where we are starting chapter 11 with what has been called Faith's Hall of Fame. Here we find a great list of those who have believed God in their generation. They did what God told them to do, trusting God to fulfill His promise. Let's get started now with the book of Ezekiel, chapter 24. The Siege of Jerusalem, Ezekiel chapter 24. In the ninth year, in the tenth month, on the tenth day of the month, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, write down the name of this day, this very day. The king of Babylon has laid siege to Jerusalem this very day. And utter a parable to the rebellious house and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Set on the pot, set it on, pour in water also, put in it the pieces of meat, all the good pieces, the thigh and the shoulder, fill it with choice bones, take the choicest one of the flock, pile the logs under it, boil it well, seethe also its bones in it. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Woe to the bloody city, to the pot whose corrosion is in it, and whose corrosion has not gone out of it. Take out of it piece after piece, without making any choice. For the blood she has shed is in her midst. She put it on the bare rock. She did not pour it out on the ground to cover it with dust. To rouse my wrath, to take vengeance, I have set on the bare rock the blood she has shed, that it may not be covered. Therefore thus says the Lord God, Woe to the bloody city! I also will make the pile great. Heap on the logs, kindle the fire, boil the meat well, Mix in the spices, and let the bones be burned up. Then set it empty upon the coals, that it may become hot, and its copper may burn, that its uncleanness may be melted in it, its corrosion consumed. She has wearied herself with toil. Its abundant corrosion does not go out of it. Into the fire with its corrosion. On account of your unclean lewdness, because I would have cleansed you, and you were not cleansed from your uncleanness, you shall not be cleansed any more till I have satisfied my fury upon you. I am the Lord. I have spoken. It shall come to pass. I will do it. I will not go back. 
I will not spare. I will not relent. According to your ways and your deeds, you will be judged, declares the Lord God. Ezekiel's wife dies. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, behold, I'm about to take the delight of your eyes away from you at a stroke. Yet you shall not mourn or weep, nor shall your tears run down. Sigh, but not aloud. Make no mourning for the dead. Bind on your turban and put your shoes on your feet. Do not cover your lips, nor eat the bread of men. So I spoke to the people in the morning, and at evening my wife died, and on the next morning I did as I was commanded. And the people said to me, Will you not tell us what these things mean for us, that you are acting thus? Then I said to them, The word of the Lord came to me. Say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will profane my sanctuary, the pride of your power, the delight of your eyes, and the yearning of your soul, and your sons and your daughters whom you left behind shall fall by the sword. And you shall do as I have done, you shall not cover your lips, nor eat the bread of men. Your turbans shall be on your heads, and your shoes on your feet, you shall not mourn or weep, but you shall rot away in your iniquities, and groan to one another. Thus shall Ezekiel be to you a sign, according to all that he has done, you shall do. When this comes, you will know that I am the Lord God. As for you, son of man, surely on the day when I take from them their stronghold, their joy and glory, the delight of their eyes and their soul's desire, and also their sons and daughters, on that day a fugitive will come to you to report to you the news. On that day your mouth will be opened to the fugitive, and you shall speak and be no longer mute. So you will be a sign to them, and they will know that I am the Lord. Chapter 25 Prophecy Against Ammon The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, set your face toward the Ammonites and prophesy against them. Say to the Ammonites, Hear the word of the Lord God. Thus says the Lord God, Because you said, Aha, over my sanctuary when it was profaned, and over the land of Israel when it was made desolate, and over the house of Judah when they went into exile, therefore, behold, I am handing you over to the people of the east for a possession, and they shall set their encampments among you, and make their dwellings in your midst. They shall eat your fruit, and they shall drink your milk. I will make Rabbah a pasture for camels, and Ammon a fold for flocks. Then you will know that I am the Lord. For thus says the Lord God, Because you have clapped your hands and stamped your feet, and rejoiced with all the malice within your soul against the land of Israel, therefore, behold, I have stretched out my hand against you, and will hand you over as plunder to the nations, and I will cut you off from the peoples, and will make you perish out of the countries. I will destroy you, then you will know that I am the Lord. Prophecy Against Moab and Seir Thus says the Lord God, because Moab and Seir said, Behold, the house of Judah is like all the other nations. Therefore I will lay open the flank of Moab from the cities, from its cities on its frontier, the glory of the country, Beth, Jeshimoth, Baal, Maon, and Kiriathayim. I will give it along with the Ammonites to the people of the east as a possession, that the Ammonites may be remembered no more among the nations, and I will execute judgments upon Moab. 
Then they will know that I am the Lord. Prophecy Against Edom Thus says the Lord God, Because Edom acted revengefully against the house of Judah, and has grievously offended in taking vengeance on them, therefore thus says the Lord God, I will stretch out my hand against Edom, and cut off from it man and beast. And I will make it desolate, from Temon even to Dedan, they shall fall by the sword. And I will lay my vengeance upon Edom by the hand of my people Israel, and they shall do in Edom according to my anger and according to my wrath, and they shall know my vengeance, declares the Lord God. Prophecy Against Philistia Thus says the Lord God, Because the Philistines acted revengefully and took vengeance with malice of soul to destroy a never-ending enmity, therefore thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will stretch out my hand against the Philistines, and I will cut off the Cherethites and destroy the rest of the seacoast. I will execute great vengeance on them with wrathful rebukes. Then they will know that I am the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon them. Prophecy Against Tyre Chapter 26 In the eleventh year, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, because Tyre said concerning Jerusalem, Aha, the gate of the peoples is broken, it has swung open to me. I shall be replenished, now that she is laid waste. Therefore thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Tyre, and will bring up many nations against you, as the sea brings up its waves. They shall destroy the walls of Tyre, and break down her towers, and I will scrape her soil from her, and make her a bare rock and she shall be in the midst of the sea a place for the spreading of nets. For I have spoken, declares the Lord God, and she shall become plunder for the nations, and her daughters on the mainland shall be killed by the sword. Then they will know that I am the Lord. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will bring against Tyre from the north Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon, king of kings, with horses and chariots, and with horsemen and a host of many soldiers. He will kill with the sword your daughters on the mainland. He will set up a siege wall against you, and throw up a mound against you, and raise a roof of shields against you. He will direct the shock of his battering rams against your walls, and with his axes he will break down your towers. His horses will be so many that their dust will cover you. Your walls will shake at the noise of the horsemen and wagons and chariots when he enters your gates as men enter a city that has been breached. With the hoofs of his horses he will trample all your streets. He will kill your people with the sword, and your mighty pillars will fall to the ground. They will plunder your riches and loot your merchandise. They will break down your walls and destroy your pleasant houses your stones and timber and soil they will cast into the midst of the waters. And I will stop the music of your songs, and the sound of your lyres shall be heard no more. I will make you a bare rock, and you shall be a place for the spreading of nets. You shall never be rebuilt, for I am the Lord. I have spoken, declares the Lord God. Thus says the Lord God to Tyre, Will not the coastlands shake at the sound of your fall, when the wounded groan, when slaughter is made in your midst? Then all the princes of the sea will step down from their thrones, and remove their robes, and strip off their embroidered garments. 
They will clothe themselves with trembling. They will sit on the ground and tremble every moment and be appalled at you. And they will raise a lamentation over you and say to you, How you have perished, you who were inhabited from the seas. O city renowned, who was mighty on the sea, she and her inhabitants imposed their terror on all her inhabitants. Now the coastlands tremble on the day of your fall, and the coastlands that are on the sea are dismayed at your passing. For thus says the Lord God, When I make you a city laid waste, like the cities that are not inhabited, when I bring up the deep over you, and the great waters cover you, then I will make you go down with those who go down to the pit, to the people of old, and I will make you to dwell in the world below, among ruins from of old, with those who go down to the pit, so that you will not be inhabited. But I will set beauty in the land of the living. I will bring you to a dreadful end, and you shall be no more. Though you be sought for, you will never be found again, declares the Lord God. And this concludes our reading from the Old Testament passage from the book of Ezekiel. September 11, 2001 has been marked as the day the United States suffered horrific terrorist attacks at the hands of Al-Qaeda. December 7, 1941 is remembered as a day that will live in infamy due to the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor. The Lord tells Ezekiel that January 15, 588 B.C. is to be recorded as the fateful day when the king of Babylon launched his siege against Jerusalem. The day that Ezekiel and Jeremiah foretold was at hand. This paved the way for Judah's fall and the destruction of the temple. Indeed, it was a day of infamy. Ezekiel chapter 24, verses 1 and 2. On the evening of the same day, Ezekiel's wife, whom he called his delight, died suddenly. The Lord told Ezekiel that it would happen beforehand, and instructed him not to mourn for her publicly, but only groan silently. He was permitted to sigh, but not aloud. This would be a sign to the people that Jerusalem, Yahweh's delight, had fallen. The lack of outward mourning and the demand for inward groaning possibly reflected that in Babylonian captivity, any outward mourning of their military conquests would be seen by their captors as seditious. Another interpretation, and one that fits with the prophetic context, is that because of the righteousness of God's judgment on Jerusalem, there should be no weeping or mourning. On this date, Ezekiel was to proclaim another parable, the Cooking Pot Song, chapter 24, verses 3 through 5. This was similar to the previous songs describing God's judgment on Judah, the Sword Song, in chapter 21, verses 8 through 17, and the cup song of chapter 23, verses 32 through 34. However, those songs were looking to the future. This song was describing what was happening to Jerusalem at that moment. The day of Jerusalem's fall had already arrived. The Babylonian attack on Jerusalem would be fierce and brought to a boil. The meat representing the inhabitants of Jerusalem in the pot of the city would experience violence and destruction. Verses 6 through 8 and verses 9 through 12 are interpretive speeches. A woe or a curse was pronounced on Jerusalem because it was a city known for its bloodshed and brutality. It was a pot encrusted with residue. Its filth made it unfit for use. God would pile the wood high to fuel the fires of judgment so it would burn hot. 
the pot's contents would be cooked, charred in verse 10, and then poured on the fire and burned away. Lamar Eugene Cooper writes in his commentary on the book of Ezekiel, quote, God especially condemned Judah for callous disregard for the sanctity of human life in chapter 24, verses 1 through 14. This indifference to human life was evident in the proliferation of crimes of violence and the lack of compassion for the innocent victims of those crimes. The severe judgment sent by God upon Judah should be ample warning to those today who share the same callous disregard for the value of human life, both the born and the unborn. End quote. New American Commentary on Ezekiel, page 237. The restrictions that were put upon Ezekiel in chapter 3, verses 25 through 27, of being bound and mute, would come to an end at the fall of Jerusalem. Because Judah was a rebellious house, Ezekiel remained mute to it, only speaking when God opened his mouth with a prophecy. Now that his prophecies had come to pass, he has gained credibility and is free to speak to the fugitives who flee from the city. On that day your mouth will be opened to the fugitive, and you shall speak and be no longer mute. So you will be a sign to them, and they will know that I am the Lord. Ezekiel chapter 24, verse 27. The book of Ezekiel is divided into three parts. Chapter 24 concludes the first part containing the words of judgment for Israel and Judah, chapters 1 through 24. Chapter 25 marks the beginning of the second section, the words of judgment for the nations, chapters 25 through 32. The third and final section of the book of Ezekiel will include the words of hope and restoration, chapters 33 through 48. The first four of the seven prophecies pronouncing judgment on the nations are found in chapter 25, and the remaining three are found in chapters 26 through 32. The prophecies in chapter 25 correspond to the ones given in Isaiah chapters 15 verses 1 through chapter 16 verse 14, chapter 21 verses 11 through 12, chapter 34 verses 5 through 17, chapter 14 verses 29 through 32. They also correspond to the prophecies from Jeremiah chapter 47 verses 1 through 7, chapter 49 verses 1 through 6, chapter 48 verses 1 through 47, and chapter 49 verses 7 through 22. And they also correspond with the prophecies found in the book of Amos in chapters 1 verses 13 to 15 and chapter 2 verses 1 through 3. Ezekiel is told to prophesy against the Ammonites in chapter 25 verses 1 through 7, the Moabites in chapter 25 verses 8 through 11, the Edomites in verses 12 through 14, and the Philistines in chapter 15 through 17. In chapter 26, he is told to prophesy against Tyre, predicting its destruction by the king of Babylon. We read about this in Isaiah chapter 23 verses 1 through 18 and Amos chapter 1 verses 9 and 10. Ezekiel's prophecy against Tyre will occupy three chapters, from 26 through 28. The one-year Bible companion published by Tyndale House Publishers contains this note, quote, The judgments in these chapters are not simply vengeful statements of Jews against their enemies. They are God's judgments on nations that failed to acknowledge the one true God and fulfill the good purposes God intended for them. The Ammonites were judged because of their joy over the desecration of the temple, in chapter 25, verses 1 through 7. 
the Moabites, because they found pleasure in Judah's wickedness. In Ezekiel chapter 25, verses 8 through 11. The Edomites, because of their racial hatred of the Jews. In Ezekiel chapter 25, verses 12 through 14. And the Philistines, because they sought revenge against Judah for defeating them in battle. In Ezekiel chapter 25, verses 15 through 17. History proves the accuracy of these prophecies. When attacked by the Babylonians, Ammon would be destroyed and never appear again. In chapter 25, verse 7. Ezekiel devotes four prophecies exposing the sin of Tyre and predicting its destruction. Tyre was the capital of Phoenicia. In chapter 26, verses 1 through 21, chapter 27, verses 1 through 36, chapter 28, verses 1 through 10, and verses 11 through 19. The city of Tyre was located partly on the Mediterranean coast and partly on an island, one half a mile from the coast. Ezekiel uses the appropriate image of a storm that produces huge waves that crash upon the city walls and bring them down to ruin. The name Tyre means rock, so the prophecy of the result of God's judgment was appropriate. I will make her like a bare rock, in chapter 26, verse 4. The prophesied destruction comes true, and the city became like a bare rock where fishermen would dry their nets. Now let's go to the New Testament reading from the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verses 1 through 16. By faith. Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world, and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, 
and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. This concludes our reading of today's New Testament portion from the book of Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews is admonishing the Jewish believers to hold fast to the gospel, the good news that all that was promised in the Old Testament has found its fulfillment in Christ. True saving faith is believing what God has said about himself and his plan of salvation. Clearly, the offering of bulls, goats, and lambs did not save God's people. They were placeholders for the perfect person and perfect work of the perfect priest. The writer asks his hearers to look to Jesus, the substance and not to the shadows of the old covenant temple worship. Jesus is God's covenant promise fulfilled. In Hebrews chapter 11, the writer lists those who believed God's promise, and they received the reward of knowing that they were pleasing God in doing so. They believed God's promise would come to pass, even if it weren't going to happen in their lifetime. They received God's commendation, for without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and rewards those who diligently seek Him. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Verse 1 is a description of faith, not a definition. We can describe the sky as being blue, but not everything that is blue is sky. We can describe faith as having assurance of things you hope for and recognizing the evidence of things not yet seen. But not all who are fully assured that they will receive what they hope for have true faith. Not all who are convinced about what they hope for have their hopes based on what God has expressly promised in His Word. The source of these believers' hope was not their wishes, desires, and imaginations. The heroes of faith listed in chapter 11 believed God's self-revelation and promises in His Word and obeyed Him, trusting Him to bring to pass what He had promised. Noah was not hoping for an opportunity to build an ark to save his household from a universal sentence of death. But when God told him of the reality of the coming judgment in the flood, he believed God's word and obeyed his direction for the saving of his household. And so, we see what all these people listed have in common. They heard God's word, believed it, and obeyed it. They obeyed, knowing that God is faithful to deliver what he has promised in his word, in his way, and in his time. Abel, Enoch, Noah, and Abraham all received the witness within, that they were credited with righteousness for believing God, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, and verses 5 and 7. This reality is spelled out clearly in Abraham, a model believer, in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. Abraham considered him faithful who had made the promise, in chapter 11, verse 11. And then in verse 13 we read, All these died in faith, without receiving the promises, but having seen them, and having welcomed them from a distance, and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. What about you? Have you agreed with what God has said about the transitory nature of this world, the reality of sin and the consequence of sin being death? Do you agree with what God says about the future judgment and your need for a Savior? Have you recognized that Jesus is that perfect Savior, 
and that there is no other way to be saved from God's wrath but to trust in Him who offered Himself to take sin's penalty in your place. Faith is believing God. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Acts chapter 16, verse 31. Now we move on to our next stop in our Bible reading tour, the book of Psalms, Psalm 110, verses 1 through 7. Sit at my right hand, a psalm of David. Psalm 110. The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments. From the womb of the morning, the dew of your youth will be yours. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment among the nations, filling them with corpses. He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. He will drink from the brook by the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. Psalm 110 is the great messianic psalm that we have been hearing about in the book of Hebrews. The six opening words are the key to this psalm. The Lord says to my Lord. Notice the three persons referred to in these six words. First, there is Yahweh, the speaker, God the Father. English translations indicate this by putting Lord in capital letters. Secondly, there is King David, the recorder of the speech, who is referring to the third person with the personal possessive pronoun my, the one who is of the order of Melchizedek. And then thirdly, you have the one whom the psalmist refers to as my sovereign Lord, that is Lord Adonai in the Hebrew. The Lord Jesus referred to this psalm to prove his own deity, that he is both David's son, a descendant of David, and David's Lord, his God and King, in Matthew chapter 22, verses 42 through 45. This psalm, when compared with Psalm 2, gives us a picture of the Anointed One, the Messiah, the Christ, as the perfect eternal King, Priest, Prophet, and Son of David. He is the Son of God, in Psalm chapter 2, verse 7 and 12, and will bring all things into subjection to Himself, making His enemies His footstool. All hail King Jesus. And now for our final stop on our Bible reading tour, we go to the book of Proverbs, chapter 27, verse 14. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, will be counted as cursing. In other words, what we think might bring blessing may have the opposite effect from what we intended. Be deeply considerate of those you are dealing with. Having read today's rich portions of Scripture, let's pray in the light of what we have just read. Lord, we believe your word and choose to act accordingly. Help us to be people of faith like those in Hebrews chapter 11. We are grateful for the ministry of the Holy Spirit who convicts us of our sin and our need for Christ. We cling by faith to the merits of Christ's suffering on our behalf on the cross and to his victory over sin and death in the resurrection. We are grateful for the Spirit's witness to our spirit, reminding us that we belong to you and have been blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Our desire today is to press on to know you more. 
offering you fresh obedience as we walk in your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks once again for joining us, and God willing, we'll be with you tomorrow as we pick up our trek through the Bible. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can write us at podcast at newlife.org. And if you would like to receive a written copy of our commentary on each day's reading from the One Year Bible, you can subscribe by going to our website, newlife.org. Now may the God of all grace bless you abundantly, reminding you that all that he is and all that he has are yours in Christ Jesus. Shalom. Shalom.